Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you, as always, is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. We've been waiting for this podcast episode for a very long time. We've mentioned this band several, several times here, uh, whether it be with Jackson, the Ike podcast. Um, I guess when I moved back to Philadelphia in 2006, I start hearing about this band, Jealousy Curve. And I start listening to their music, and I was like, wow, these guys are from the area, the Philadelphia area. These guys are awesome. I want to try to play with them. I want to try to be incorporated into that music scene. And thanks to uh, Jackson's Jackson with the Local Shot series, we were able to do um, a handful of shows together. They were the tallest rock and roll band that I've ever played with. Um, Larry Thomas Moore of Downton Harvest, that's his quote. He's like, man, they're just really tall. <laughs> But um, not only were they um, superior in height, they're also superior in their mu- um, music. Um, just a great band. And recently, they've decided to get back together for a good cause. We're going to learn about that later in the show. They're doing a um, special event at the TLA on April 8th. One of my favorite bands, uh, Jealousy Curve. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please do me a favor. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Steve LaFascia. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Of course, yeah. We've been we've been trying, you know, we've been trying to get this together, but uh, late than never, right? <laughs> I guess it was like a few um maybe like was it a couple months ago I saw the the post, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, it was very early like, January. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it kind of came out like in a way that was like a, almost like a movie teaser trailer, like a poster, <laughs> right? There was just like a like a, a date, right? Yeah, yeah. Kinda, yeah, I love it. Kinda I love somewhat, it. somewhat cryptic, yeah. Yeah, I like I like that stuff, you know. I was like, oh, I know what this means, you know what I mean? But I didn't know, you know, the ramifications of it. But before we get into all that, what I like to do is I like to get into the DeLorean, go 88 miles per hour, back in time, okay, okay, to the beginning of Jealousy Curve, and I'm thinking it's around 2000, right, where you guys start getting together? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a long story. Um, I mean, Mike Levy and I, Mike Levy's the singer, he and I played in bands from when we were 15 years old, mm-hmm. so he was, he's been a drummer since then. Um, our first band in high school, the first guy I ever played with on drums was Mike. I guess I was 15. He was still 14. Wow. So 1990, we were freshmen at Cardinal Higher High School. And, uh, and yeah, we were in a couple bands throughout the, throughout the 90s. And then Mike was in a, in a, a really good band, uh, kind of mid-90s. And then we, we, we kind of got back together around 2000. And, and really, we were looking for a singer. Like he, We thought he was just going to play drums and I was going to play guitar and we we're going to make a new band. And uh, we had some demos and... and uh, he, he had written some songs and we'd worked on some songs together and you know I was just like why don't you give a shot why don't you try singing this stuff and, and did he ever he had never really sung before he never really thought no, about it no. he always wanted to be a drummer yeah I mean okay. he had sang, sung some backup vocals and stuff on, on different things but never had never sung a lead, lead vocal on anything oh and, wow uh, so that was like the earliest kind of beginnings of Jealousy Curve like fall of 2000 beginning of 2001 but mm-hmm. just demos you know um, I had gone on like a handful of auditions like I had like gone in the city paper and kind of basically looking for to go to an audition maybe like find a singer that we could maybe kind of put something together with Mm -hmm. and uh, didn't really find anything and and, uh, so Mike just started singing on these demos and that was like the earliest kind of earliest recordings we did Um, you know came up with the name Jealousy Curve and and, uh, yeah where did that come from by the way you know I think Mike just came up with it we always used to say in interviews like you know because we were, we were doing these demos and, and uh, kind of recording as a duo. And we were able to make these kind of full band recordings as a duo. But then when we had we had played a couple shows live just acoustically. And uh, we had gone out to see some shows around that time. And, and we were always kind of envious of like seeing these full bands on stage. That's, awesome. That's what I used to say in interviews previously. But I think, honestly, I think he just came up with the name. We thought it sounded really? cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely, I mean, 
I had the jealousy curve when I first saw you guys. I was like, wow, these guys are I just ripping that. and roaring. Thank, but, you. Um, Thank you. So let's go back uh, to the Euro Cafe in Westchester yeah. on, uh, it looks like, May the Cinco, 5th, Cinco 2001. De Cinco de yeah. Mayo. That was our first time we ever performed. So wh- where was the Euro Cafe? It's no longer It was in there, Westchester. Right? It was, um, you know, I don't even remember what street it was on. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we supported our friend Jeff Campbell. I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff Campbell. Mm-hmm. Great, great singer-songwriter. Been a friend of ours since... Uh, you know, over 20 years, but, um, yeah, we had like probably four or five songs at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he was playing a show. Just has this come out. We played acoustics. That was the first time Mike that ever, was acoustic. That together. was just the two of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first time Mike ever, ever sang lead vocals live. Wow. Yeah. When you look back at that, like what stands out the most, like, uh, if you had like a memory part, you know, um, like, I don't uh, remember it pretty clearly. I mean, it was, um, just so different than what we do now. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like very, um, the material was very, I would almost like kind of singer songwriterish, very mm-hmm. acoustic. Um, you know, Mike just, he's grown so much as a vocalist, you know, he's basically just grown into this thing that, you know, it's, it amazes me. His talent amazes me. He's one of those guys that can, you know, make, could make a record by himself, by himself yeah. easily mm-hmm. and is able to you know play drums and, you know, jump and uh, play guitar and, and sing. And, um, but yeah, that, I just remember that night was, uh, it was a, good, a decent crowd. I, I remember we played probably only a half hour. Mm-hmm. Played some cover songs, I think. You know, maybe played... Uh, I think we played... Um, one of my favorite songs is called Life and Rain by Remy Zero. I mm-hmm. think we covered that. Might have played a couple other covers and maybe like four or five original songs. Like, it was it was real... Mm-hmm. The beginnings, you know? The beginnings, yeah. But... So, I mean... Good time, you know? So, when you guys are getting together and you're putting, you know, the band Jealousy Curve together, you guys are uh, influenced at this time by, like, Radiohead, Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. So, growing up, like, uh, Led Zeppelin for you as a guitar player, I mean... Tell, uh, yeah. tell me about Jimmy. Like, you know. Uh, dude, I mean, I um, I started playing guitar in eighth grade, and, and right around that time, I, I, I got into Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, Which album did you pick up first? Uh, let me think. Did you go I mean, chronologically? No, I, yeah. yeah, they were on cassettes. I mean, I think I had yeah. Led Zeppelin, I had the Zoso, the fourth record mm-hmm. album first, just because of Stairway to Heaven. And yeah. I think I had Led Zeppelin too. And then I just, I got, but within a couple months, I had all the cassettes, and I just constantly rewinding, you know, just yeah. constantly trying to figure out parts. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he was huge for me back then. Zeppelin, Zeppelin and Guns N' Roses. And it was an interesting time because, like, I came up right kind of at the tail end of, like, the metal, like, the hair metal thing, yeah. you know, like, the glammy thing. Mm-hmm. And then, like, as I kind of changed into the alternative thing. So, like, when I was in high school. It was a mix, yeah. Yeah, so it was, I was I feel fortunate I kind of, you know, got exposed to All way, way into mm-hmm. classic rock, but then way into, like, Rage Against the Machine and, mm-hmm. and Radiohead. You know, Radiohead's first record was huge for me right at the end of senior mm-hmm. year of high school. And, um yeah, but Zeppelin was definitely, I mean, if I were to have to name, like, five favorite bands, they're definitely. Yeah, definitely, for me, too. Uh, I saw Page and Plant in 1999 in Philly. Awesome. And I, I sat behind them, so, like, I was looking at the crowd, and I could just see, you know, Robert Plant's, like, you know, blonde hair and, like, the backs of them, and it just, to me, it looked like, you know, late 60s, early right, right, 70s, right, right. you know, but yeah. I, I still, to this day, like, that was probably one of the best concerts I've ever seen, yeah. and uh, I, I wish... Saw, I saw them once live, too. I saw them in 95. Oh, uh, you saw that one? Page right? Tour, yeah. Now, didn't they have, like, the full orchestra then, too, like, uh, with them? Or I don't like, think they did four... I mean, that was shortly after they did that unleaded record, but yeah. I don't think they, I don't think they toured... When I, I saw them at the Spectrum, and, uh... I think they just had like Michael Lee playing drums. I saw and, the Spectrum. Yeah, it's awesome. I missed the Spectrum. Yeah, the way it sounded. I saw a lot of know, a lot like, of shows there back then. Um, so with with Led Zeppelin, you know, Radiohead, Muse. Um, well, Muse wasn't around yet, but the Stereophonics, uh, Remy Zero, all these influences coming together. So like, 
after the show at Euro Cafe, you make the decision that you gotta start this this group, right? Yeah, so like, I mean, we didn't we didn't actually play an electric show until I'm trying to remember. I mean, I think 2001 we played a you know. I don't even know if we played another show in 2001. We mm-hmm. might have just kept writing. Kept you know, writing we knew yeah. we didn't have enough songs. We only had like four or five original songs, so we just kept writing. Um, we played an- – actually, our next show was like January of 2002. We played in Philly. We played another duo show. Um, and I don't think we actually played an electric show until around October of 2002. I think it was our first electric show actually with Shane on drums. With Shane. Yeah. So he's your first drummer. He, You know, he played that show, but mm-hmm. then he was in another band, so he mm-hmm. wasn't able to commit to – playing in our band at the time and we had a different uh-huh. drummer so we didn't actually start to hook up uh and play full-time with shane until like almost two years later now yeah. i really do think that the sound of jealousy curve definitely comes not only from you know the guitars and the bass but the drums definitely Absolutely. have this Absolutely. really distinctive sound i appreciate um, that yeah, it's um the way that he, he he attacks the kit yeah i mean um it's i remember drummer. seeing you guys at the tla and i just was like amazed i was just I like man that. he's really hitting it you know and like some drummers didn't utilize the cymbals correctly, in my opinion, you know, but he really knows how to make them sound almost like, you know, melodic towards, you know, um, Mike's like lyrics and stuff. But um, so he he's he leaves this band and then yeah. the original bass player. Um, his Michael Bryan. Yeah, Michael. OK, yeah. so. Yeah. So basically, like mm-hmm. into around 2003, I guess, like spring of 2003, we were playing with our friend Dan on drums mm-hmm. and then Mike O'Brien was playing bass with us and we started doing electric shows like April of 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, Where are you playing at during this time in 2003? We played our first electric show like with that lineup. So we played, we kind of had like a, kind of like an initial like fall start show in Philly in in uh, October of 2002. Mm-hmm. And then that following spring we started playing, uh, you know, regularly. Um, I think our first electric show with that lineup was, I think at the University of Delaware, probably like mm-hmm. April of 2003. And then just started playing a bunch of shows in Philly. Um in the area, you know, regional area. Um, oh, my cat is on the table. Are you are you co-hosting with me, Leo? <laughs> okay. yeah, he's you know he's just here for uh, support. <laughs> so one of the things that's really um, I really loved. Um, I was doing some research last night. Um, went onto the website jealousycurve.com. You have all of your gigs listed. I think so. Yeah, yeah like most of them. Yeah. and you also have the supporting acts. Yeah. Which is really cool to look back if you're uh, an old head like ourselves, you know what I mean? If you want to wax nostalgic about the Philadelphia music scene and all the different types of um, elements of it. I guess your relationship with um, Pawn Shop Roses, the other band that's on the bill, the TLA, began in 2002. So what was it like playing with those guys for the first time? You know, I I met Kevin and Paul, I think, on the same night. I Mm -hmm. met them at a party at uh, Silvertide had a house in Bluebell. Shortly after they got signed to Jay, um, Jay kind of set them up in this house to do some writing. And summer of 2002, my, my buddy Robbie Bennett, who plays in the War on Drugs. Yeah, um, I just saw them on uh, Jules Holland. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah, he, he and I went to grade school together. So, so yeah. did that lead singer, sorry, we like to go off on tangents That's here okay. on the podcast. Kurt Vile has some sort of connection to it. Yeah, he, I think he was originally in that, in that He group. was, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and now Adam sings. Mm-hmm. Um, but Robbie had invited me to this party. Robbie and I went to grade school together, and I've known him since we were little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he invited me to this party at this at this house in Bluebell one night, and uh, and we went and uh, and I remember just hearing Paul and Kevin just playing acoustic and, and just thinking they were really great, and um, you know we just struck up a friendship. And I think we played a show. I think Mike Mike and I played a show with them probably later that fall, like oh, maybe wow. maybe downtown somewhere. And that was the first time we played together. And then just. Over the years, just the history, a ton yeah. together. Yeah, a ton of, ton of shows. And 
I think we played a TLA bill together with those guys at Pepper's Ghost back in 2006. It was a, a really Yeah, there's a, a video night. of that, I think, right? Yeah. On, on YouTube? Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. So those guys have been friends for a really long time. It was a cool music like community. Um, so during this time, you're playing lots of shows and you're writing material in anticipation of your first album release, yep. Life, as an Ad- Life as an Addict, in 2005. Mm-hmm. So did you... I know that you're an engineer and you record. Did you... Uh, produced this? Yeah, or? we did it all in our basically in our basement. Okay, um, cool. So Mike Levy actually played drums on that record. Wow. Yeah, it was before Shane. So we released it after Shane was in the band, but we actually recorded the majority of it. That's awesome. Before before Shane was in the band, so Mike played all the drums on it. We we basically did the the bulk of it with the two of us. Uh, Mike O'Brien played some bass on some of the tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, What'd you use to record it with? <laughs> we did it on this old. I still have it. It's this old. Um, so we didn't use Pro Tools. We didn't have a computer. There was yeah. no computer use. But we did. We recorded digitally. We used this thing called a Tascam MX twenty four twenty four, which mm-hmm. is this big old, clunky. It's called a. Um, it's not a mod. It's like a modular hard disk recorder, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not. It's not like a uh, like a D eighty eight. It doesn't work with tape. It's just hard. It's hard drive based. Um, I think I got that in like 2000. That, that was like what we did. Actually, I think all the Jealousy Car stuff we ever recorded, we did pretty much on that. That's awesome. And. Um, yeah, I just always liked it because we didn't have to use a computer. You know, it was almost like a it was like a tape deck or like a tape machine, but but you know, digital. Um, so, are you the type of guitar player who like when you're recording? Do you want to get it all in one take? You don't like punches. Oh yeah, right? I mean, I mean I'll do I'll do some little punches here and there, but we never did any any comping or anything. Like that's one thing about that first record. All definitely all the drum takes because we didn't have Pro Tools, so there were no drum edits. Like all the drum takes were pretty much one take. Um, mm-hmm. We would do some punches here and there if we needed to on guitar or vocals, but. For the most part, because we didn't have a computer, we didn't do any any comping or any you know any uh, any of that like Pro Tools fixing. Yeah, it's amazing. That, I mean, we just didn't have it. You know, what you mean? didn't have it. Yeah. yeah, you didn't know about it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's it, I miss it in a way. I yeah. miss the struggle of like you know, I gotta get this. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's kind of it's missing from it. You yeah, know? yeah. We still. I mean, that's the way we still work. This is the way I still work with my production projects now. Like, I mean, I I, I use Pro Tools now just because of the simplicity of it. But I'm still one of those guys that likes to get it. Get it right. Get it know, right. Not, yeah. not try to rely on on uh, editing and, and nudging notes around and that kind of. Yeah, thing. I've never been. I don't use Beat Detective on drums. Like I just, I'm not into that. So yeah, it's you know, it's really <laughs> the drummer sound. It's yeah. drums, in my opinion, are probably the hardest thing to record in, in a way. I yeah. mean, just the room in itself. It's all the but, player, the player in the kit. That's true of anything, man. A great mm-hmm. player makes always makes it sound good, you know. And, and and a lot of times when you struggle to find why it's not sounding the way you want to a lot of times it's just because there's something with the instrument or something with the player that something with the player if you get that sussed out it's Mm -hmm. it kind of takes care of itself true so uh 2005 life is life as an addict comes out um what's the general like mindset of the band at this time like (laughs) we played as much we played so many shows that was your work ethic yeah we just wanted to play i mean we were you know play with a purpose obviously like we weren't we weren't beating ourselves up playing shows that we didn't think would be helpful but for the most part, I remember, I think April of 05, we played probably 25 shows wow. around that, maybe more. I remember specifically right at the end of April, I think we played four shows in a 24-hour period. Mm-hmm. I remember playing like in four states. I think we played like Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, and Maryland all in like a 24-hour span. Wow. So we just, pr- we were working to promote the record as hard as we could. And, uh, you know, even though the record was kind of a collection of songs that were, some of them had spanned back, like like The World Is You and a couple of the other songs on the record we recorded in 2002. Mm-hmm. So they were older songs, but we knew they were going to be new to people when we put it out. Mm-hmm. So we just wanted to promote it and, and, you know, work as hard as we could to, to kind of get some some traction with the record. So that, that year, most of that year was spent supporting that and, and playing as much as we could. 
And 2006, you guys go on a 10-city tour with... Um, that was actually, it was like the end of 05. 05? What, yeah. what tour was that again? It was uh, it was called the Zippo Hot Tour. It was part of uh, the All-American Rejects did a tour called the Rise of the Fall oh, yeah. Tour. And yeah. so Zippo had kind of bought on to basically get a, an act of support on that, on on a leg of that tour. Mm-hmm. We did a leg, we did a 10-date leg of it. And you guys played in an ice ring? Yeah, uh, I think it was Pittsburgh. It was a. So, are you playing yeah. on the ice during this? Or? Uh, I mean, this, it was on a stage, but it was yeah. the stage was constructed on what would have been like oh, one, okay. one of the ends of the ice rink. Yeah. So there was no Zamboni or anything. No, like no, there, no. It was. I mean, they, they, they yeah. said melted and stuff, but it was. Uh, it was. Just, it's a. It's still there. It's in Bellavern in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I think it's called the, the Ice Garden or the Rose Straver Ice Garden. So, oh wow! Yeah, it was fun. It was a good, good crowd. That's interesting. Um, I watched. There's a video on YouTube. If you uh, if you go to your YouTube channel, you can check out. There's like a little mini doc, I guess you will, of like that entire experience. Um, for the listeners out there, definitely check it out. I put a link down below oh, this cool. podcast. Um, so around this time, 2006, 2007, this is when I first hear of Jealousy Curve. The first time I um, was exposed to it was with the second album. This is for your own destruction. This is around like 2007. Yep. Jackson's local shot series is at the pinnacle of its, you know, height of its success. <laughs> and um, there was such a great feeling in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, the, the old grape, I, I can't even remember what the old grape is called now. Just the grape room, the grape street pub that was chemistry. Right, right. I mean, a great stage scooter would do the, the monitors and stuff. What do you remember about that time? Like when this album comes out and like all the great tracks on this album, you know, you. are very, um, in my opinion, they're just timeless. You know what I mean? Appreciate like I, I mentioned to you, Black Widow, my son absolutely digs it. You, know, you. <laughs> clapping though, you know what I mean? So yeah, tell me, like, I mean, what, that, what do you remember about that? Because so, yeah, I mean, we, I, we, um, so we came back from playing a ton in 2005 and then we knew we just, we needed to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we were writing a bunch and then we actually went away for uh, our longest tour we ever did, which, which was probably close to seven weeks, which was like in the fall of fall of six. Um, and that was the first tour that Dave Sikorsky did with us uh, on That's base. the beginning of Dave. Yeah, he played his first show with us like like September of '06. So and where'd then, you meet him at? We met him the year a year prior. We met him in in like May of '05. We met him. We played a show with his previous band in Jersey. We played this little. It was like a coffee house mm-hmm. um, that Levy and I actually did uh, like a duo acoustic show. It's like May of '05, and his band played with us that night. Mm-hmm. And I remember Mike and I were just really. Uh, impressed with his playing yeah and uh, we met him and got friendly with him and then i think we played another show with his band uh a couple months later what was the name of that group I th- they were called fire by night mm-hmm. yeah really good good rock band mm-hmm. um and then when we put out the word in like august of 06 that we were looking for a bass player um dave was the first guy that got in contact with us and, That's awesome. and just came out to jam with us and He's like the perfect match to, to yeah. James Drum. Like yeah. the, the way that they blend yeah. together. Yeah, and Michael Bryan was too. I mean, it, I've been mm-hmm. lucky to be in a band with guys that like are great musicians that make me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that make me have to like yeah. up my game. So, yeah, and Dave, Dave joined the band and, and uh, we did that tour and then we were writing a lot uh, when we got back and then started recording like that spring and then put with, I think we recorded the record and, and kind of had it out within like a two month period. Like and this one's also by, done by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did the, the drums for that record, uh, at a studio, which does, for, unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. It's called, it was called, um, Metropolitan Recording. Mm-hmm. It was over in Bryn Mawr. Really nice room. Um, so we did the drum, we actually cut the drums there. So we didn't cut the drums at home, like the first record. Uh, the first record we kind of did in a couple different places, um, different houses and stuff. But this one we we decided we wanted to at least do the drums at like a proper studio, um, and we did the drums there over the course of like two days, and then brought the tracks home and, and just overdubbed and 
mm-hmm. mixed it. And actually, our buddy of ours mixed it. Um, our friend Daniel Mendez, in uh, he was in Seattle at the time. He and I kind of, kind of collaborated. Like he he was basically mixing it, but we kind of collaborated together. And uh, I mean, he, I think he made the record. He brought it. He brought it to life. Brought I mean, it to a life, lot yeah. of the credit of the sound of that record is to him. Okay, even uh, though we tracked it ourselves, he did a lot of the uh, the heavy lifting. I would say. Excellent. Let's uh, let's take a listen to one of uh, my other favorite tracks. What a terrible joke here on the Bobcast.
Back here. Um, awesome song. I mean, so what was your first experience with 93.3 WMMR here in Philadelphia? I always tell people uh, they were kind of like a kind of like the sixth member of the band. I always say the fifth member was Rob Talsher, who was our, our longtime mm-hmm. uh, tour manager and front mm-hmm. house engineer. He was basically like a member of the band. But, you know, WMMR, I always tell people like other than the work we did for ourselves um, and, and the, the, you know, the work we put in over the years, like MMR was hugely supportive of us. Um, I think our first, I'm trying to remember back, I think our first kind of work with those guys was I think when we met Jackson probably March or March or late February 05 mm-hmm. I think he had just come into town yeah I think that's right yeah. and uh, I remember we played a show at Grape in Philly and he came up to me after the set and just said he loved the set and, mm-hmm. and uh, I think a couple weeks later we had a phone call saying we were we were, we were offered a support slot on the MMR Spring Break show mm-hmm. with Billy Idol and uh, Collective Soul and Hail Storm and, and uh, I think Dee Snyder was on that or I, yeah it was, wow. a, it, was a, it was a fun bill did you meet Billy Idol? yeah Right, yeah, cool. <laughs> he was cool. He just came out to us. He's like, he's like, what's your name? All right, right, right. All right, what's your name? Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> like went down the line real fast. Yeah. Uh, he's like a vampire. He doesn't age. Really. Yeah, he was cool. His set was crazy. Was Where great. was that at? Was that at it was the, the Leo Corps Center? Uh huh. This is probably like April, April of '05. Wow. But he was Steve Stevens play guitar with him. Like it was, it was awesome. It was That's great. great. Yeah, I love Billy. It was really cool. It was, it was, it was neat. Yeah. So you also had the opportunity, uh, let me see here, what year was it? It was 2008. We're going to go into the future a little bit. You opened up for STP. We did, yeah. So where was that at? That was at uh, what's now the BB&T Center, which at that time was the Susquehanna Bank Center, Mm -hmm. over the the amphitheater over in Camden. Is that the number four album? Is that the black album with the star that they were touring for at that point? No, I mean, that came out in 99. So that's, it, that's was, 99. Um, it was the album. Number yeah, four is 99. Wow. Yeah. My, my they time they, they didn't even have a re- They weren't even touring behind a record at that mm-hmm. point. They just reformed. Reformed, that, okay. Yeah. And I think that was actually the, the second show they had done together in six years. How'd they sound? They sounded great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave and I watched them from side of stage, like stage left, right, mm-hmm. in, in Monitor World. And it was, they were great. Yeah. I remember I, they did a do-over. I remember they were playing down and they... Uh, they stopped and oh, started wow. over because it just it like kind of fell off the tracks a little bit, which was cool. You so know? you like to see that's I'm I love all that about stuff. that. I love that stuff oh, too. Yeah. When a musician the messes up, yeah, I, I just find it to be so exciting and just be like, wow, they're just human, you know. Yeah, that yeah, was um, a great. It was a thrill for us, I and mean, we were we've been fans of that band since we were you know in high school. So yeah. it was, I saw Motley Crue once, and uh, they started. Um, two of them started uh, the wrong song, and the third one didn't know what was going on, and they just completely like stop. And, you know, they, they went over, and, like, I couldn't stop. Like, I remember lots of things at the show, but that's the one that stands out the most. Yeah, but That's great. STP, I mean, uh, I saw them I saw them at the Man in 97 with the Meat Puppets, I think. That was 94. 94. I was at the show, too. Yeah. That was, Meat Puppets, and, and I think the Flaming Lips were on that bill, too. First. Was that the Flaming Lips? Yeah. Wow. I, yeah, they played the Man two summers in a row, so I saw them the previous summer in 93, and that was, like, their first kind of big amphitheater tour mm-hmm. and they were support they were listed as support for the butthole surfers but and they played middle i might be wrong flame lips might have been on that show flaming lips might have been on the 93 show mm-hmm. um yeah i think it was flaming lips and then stp played middle and then butthole surfers and they were fantastic all three bands were great and yeah. then the following summer meat puppets i think that opened, was the backwater yeah, summer that was 94 yeah, yeah. That was 94 that was with, with, with Vaseline. Yeah. That, yes, they did. Yeah. That was the purple. Yeah, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. So I saw them then, and then I saw them maybe, I, you said 99, number four? 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw them at the Spectrum then. That sounds that, about right. That was literally the best performance I've ever seen of a, a front, like, Scott Weiland uh, was yeah. on fire that night. Yeah. And he sounded so good, you know, and it's really sad what happened to him. Yeah. Um, we did a podcast uh, honoring his legacy. I mean... He's one of the best rock frontmen of all time. Yeah, so know? good. I mean, it's funny, that band... They were critically panned when they first came out. They were know, because they were, they were, they were, yeah, they were. But kind in of hindsight, out. in hindsight, I think history has shown that they were really, really original and yeah. really and really great. Especially when it came to, you know, Dean, Dean and Robert DeLeo's chord voicings and amazing, and, uh, amazing, great band. Yeah, amazing. Like the way that they write songs together and like the bass. I don't really think I know anybody that plays bass like that. One of my favorite bass players. It's just so good. It's like a lead guitar bass almost, mm-hmm. you know, and just like the lines are so. They're just really intricate. Um, they were really underrated back, you know, back when they first came out, and I think now people realize they now were, they, they get were like it, the yeah. Zeppelin of the '90s, basically. Yeah, I had um, I hadn't heard I haven't heard anything since uh, the passing of him. And Stone Temple Pilots were looking for uh, a new lead singer. I was hoping that Walt would get it. Walt had done he uh, recorded some uh, vocals, I think, mm-hmm. for uh, a few of the tracks, but um, maybe they maybe it was part of the grieving process to want to continue it, but maybe they stopped. I realized maybe we should just, you know, pause and try to figure out what the next step is. Agreed, yeah. Um, so, I mean, so this is for your own destruction comes out. Afterwards, you guys completely, you keep touring relentlessly. I'm looking at all these dates here, and, I mean, there's hundreds, right? Like, yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Um, so, you guys hit up Pennsylvania, you guys hit up Delaware, you go out to Los Angeles, um, you played Capitol Records. We so, did, yeah. So where that was in 05, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we did it. We, it was, that was a fun show. We did a, uh, basically did a showcase for a room full of Capitol execs. Oh, wow. And uh, played in Studio A. Mm-hmm. You know, just played our live show in Studio A, basically, at the time. Oh, wow. Um, and it was a fun show. It was, I think it was a, not our, our, actually our best show on that tour was a couple of days prior at the Wiltern in L.A. That yeah, was probably, that was probably our best Probably one of our best shows we've ever played, actually. As that far was the All-American Rejects Tour. That was a Rejects Tour, yeah. That was Fall of 05. Um, but the Capitol thing was fun. I remember, like, Levy was sitting in, in Frank Sinatra's chair, you know. Oh, like, wow. Singing and, and uh, yeah, man. It was, I mean, just to be in that room, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and uh, you know, play live in that room. It's a great, great sounding room. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, you guys followed up with the 2010 release, Marinettes. Yeah. Tell me about that album. That was... Uh, we, so we did that record, a lot of the, ba- well, we, all the basics we did at Studio 4 with Phil Nicolo and Will Yip, which was, I think by that. Phil the Butcher? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. I think by that time we just kind of wanted to maybe give away a little bit of the, uh, some of that responsibility of tracking, kind of kind of hand it off a little bit. And so we did all the basics at Studio 4 and then did all the overdubs at home. That's in country, right? Yep. Is it st- it's still there, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. Uh, it's in fact around Fed Street, it's underneath right. the pub, right? Yeah, it's a grand, the uh, basement level. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, we just we did the record real fast. Like we did all the I think a lot of the tracking in like seven a week, ten days maybe. Wow. We got it all done. It was it's very uh, it's probably different than the other records. And it's, it's probably a little more raw. You know, mm-hmm. like really not many overdubs at all. Just mm-hmm. very not that there were ever a lot of overdubs, but this one especially like a lot of the songs. And Mike played a lot of guitar on that record, so it's. Like a lot of the songs are just my guitars on the left channel, his is on the right. Like, and that's mm-hmm. it. You know, it's just really um, pretty raw and pretty stripped down. And, and uh, yeah, we tracked it in, in uh, pretty quickly at Studio Four. The basics and a lot of the basics are just there. That's the music, like you know, live. And then uh, came back did the vocals at home, um, mixed it, mm-hmm. put it out. You know, and that ended up being kind of our 
I guess our record release was kind of like our, our farewell show, you know, at the time. We kind of we were tired. I mean, we, we had been doing it hard for yeah, long pretty time. much seven years, yeah, you know, and then uh, had a great time, a lot of, you know, had a modicum of success, had a lot of fun, but um, I think we all just wanted to kind of take a little break from it and, and kind of... It happens. Yeah. It's completely understandable. I mean, most, all bands end unless, yeah, I mean, you're talking the Rolling Stones, but I mean... We miss you, you know, no, uh, everyone uh, in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, as far as, you know, people ask me a lot, like, so what was your, what's your favorite band? I'm like, they don't play no more. You know <laughs> what I mean? Most it. of my Thank favorite you. bands just aren't, they're not around, you know. <laughs> but um, so, you know, the band ends and um, we're not even going to go. I mean, sometimes bands just have to stop. They have to stop for people to continue to grow. And then sometimes bands get back together into the present day. Uh, we are looking at an April 8th TLA show yeah. with uh, Superstars Ike and Pawn Shop Roses on the bill. Uh, we just had John Fay over here, um, I think it was like a couple months ago. He didn't, he, he, he alluded to it, but he wouldn't tell me. But like, I was remember thinking like, is there something coming, you know, mm-hmm. is there, you know? But um, it's for a good cause. So let's talk about that first. Um, yeah. Jimmy. Filippo. Okay, yeah. I'm from country, so I got a weird accent. Yeah, I don't want to mess okay, it up. So too. tell me about Jimmy. So Jimmy, Jimmy's a guy we met, I think maybe in 2005 or 2006, mm-hmm. and he was just a huge supporter uh, of our band. Pretty much every he and his family, pretty much every area show, whether it was Philly or, or Jersey or Delaware, um, anything in the region when we weren't out on the road, if we were playing somewhat regionally, he would uh, he would come out with his family and. Uh, just a huge, huge music lover, great guy. Mm-hmm. You know, we became became friends with him, and, and uh, you know, he was just hugely supportive of us. Like I said, from like 2006 to pr- 2010, probably every show we played that was within a 80 yeah. to 100 mile radius, he was at. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away uh, a little under a year ago, May of last year, 2016. He passed away suddenly, 32 years old. Yeah, yeah it's it's rough when you lose somebody that young in life. Yeah. But the bands have decided to get together and put on this this one time show. Yeah, just uh, like kind of his, in his memory. His and, memory. And, yeah, basically the way the show came about was um, Jimmy's dad re- reached out to us. Um, I think he reached out to Mike first, Mike Levy, and mm-hmm. just asked if we'd be willing to do a show. Kind of, you know, Jimmy. It's what Jimmy would want. You know, he'd want to kind of celebrate life mm-hmm. with with his favorite music, and uh, we, we we didn't hesitate. We said absolutely, and uh, you know, we were. Uh, trying to find the best possible venue to do it in the fall and then we just we could give ourselves a little more time and, and we booked it and then uh, just put it to, to April 8th but mm-hmm. it's basically just a kind of a celebration of uh, of his life and, and just to kind of give an opportunity to, to kind of play and get together again And I think it's great I, th- I think uh, anytime that you can do something to honor somebody's memory like that especially if somebody was a, a fan of your work it's full circle yeah it's I total... mean, it it, it, it um, it blows me away. Like, like I said, like I remember literally every, whether it was a large, you know, whether it was when we played the electric factory or when we played TLA or we did grape or we did, you know, a smaller room, he'd be there. He'd be know? there. Yeah. And it means a lot. Yeah. I mean, as a musician, you know, who travels when you have that one, you know, core fan base or you have one fan who really just appreciates everything you do. Um, I, I, I find it that's so rewarding, you yeah. know, when someone can uh, reciprocate what it means to be really an artist, what what an artist or a musician can do for others is is boundless. And um, 
It's a great cause. Uh, April 8th, once again, 7 p.m. You can get tickets on Live Nation. You can even check out tickets on your website yeah, on Facebook. There's reduced, like reduced fee tickets at our, at our mm-hmm. official site, jealousycurve.com. Excellent. Um, so looking back at Jealousy Curve, um, you guys used to reflect on it being said. You used to say that you were influenced by life, love, and loss. <laughs> being that um, it sounds like it's from our, like our, our 2005 bio or something it was yeah <laughs> I found it <laughs> you, it's in print so I gotta ask so I mean like that was 2005 it's 2017 yeah. Yeah. and uh, I mean time is really going by quick I mean it's, it's really amazing like I remember my 20s being like really long like uh, an epic film and now my 30s are like episodic Seinfeld episodes so just boom boom yeah. boom boom but um, this is how life goes yeah so life love and loss Reflecting back on that statement now in 2017, how would you, like, or would you still say you're influenced by that? And what does Jealousy Curve mean to you now? Oh, man, that's such a, that's a, that's, that's a question. Um, yeah, I think we're, I mean, I think when it comes to writing, I think those are the, the three things that you always kind of go back to, you know, in, mm-hmm. ter- in terms of lyrics. True. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dude, it's, I always tell people it's the, it's the, the, the band's the best thing. It's the most successful thing I've ever done. It's the best mm-hmm. thing I've ever done. And, and it's, you know, it was the love of my life and it continues to be the love of my life. And I'm super proud of it. I mean, I'll be, I'll be an 80-year-old man and mm-hmm. still look back at the stuff we did. And, and the, not even the music, but just like the, the just traveling with those guys and just... The overall experience. Yeah, yeah, just being able to play a room and, you know, 3,000 miles away from Philadelphia and have, have a hand, you know, have 100 people there that like the music. That's great. It's a great feeling. Yeah, you know, even more than that. And depending on depending on the city, but uh, yeah, I mean, I have no regrets. You know, like I, it's 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 flattering. I still get the thing where people will say, you know, you guys you guys should have been huge, or it's, you can't you can't. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason sometimes. You know, you can't predict. Yeah, how it's you really work. can't. Yeah. But I'm just flattered that people like it, and yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, all we ever wanted to do was when Mike and I first created the band like we always said like we just wanted to make something that when it came out of the speakers like it, it we dug it you know it made yeah. our, it made the hair on our arms mm-hmm. stand on end if other people did as well cool but we never really tried to try to create something that was real def, you know it wasn't something where it was like we were trying to make a, a definite like accessible kind of thing we were just trying to make something we thought was cool and i think it ended up being kind of kind of the combination of our influences mm-hmm. you know sometimes we wore them on our sleeves sometimes we didn't but you know we, we never uh didn't really think about it too much. We just kind of, a lot of it was this kind of gut level reaction, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of did it. And, and I'm proud of that. And, uh, that's good. Yeah. I have no regrets. You know, we got, we got to do mm-hmm. some, some cool stuff and got to see some, some things and played some memorable shows, played some, some sloppy shows, you know, but it's yeah. rock and roll, you know, so. it is rock and roll. Um, <laughs> so, so ladies and gentlemen, you got a chance right now to get out there, buy yourself a ticket for the show. Um, currently, um, besides Jealousy Curve, um, what projects are you working on? I know you're, you're an engineer and yeah, you still producer. record and produce, right? Yeah. yeah so where bunch. are you doing that at? Exactly? I do I do a bunch at Forge Recording in Orland. Uh-huh. I do a lot of work at Studio Four. Uh, do another a lot of work at another studio called Philly Sound Studios mm-hmm. down in South Philly. I have a rig at home, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll do some mixing or I'll do some overdubs at home. But yeah, you recorded uh, my friend Judah's uh, yeah. Stone Throne album. Yeah, we did that at Studio mm-hmm. Four in, uh, in 2011, I think, like I think over, so, yeah. over around in the, a day, yeah. pretty much, or a couple of days, just mm-hmm. like a little EP. Yeah. And besides, um, like uh, bandwise, you are playing. You do play with with John. Yeah. But you're part of the meddling kids. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. So, Any yeah. other projects that you're doing? Um, I mean, I play guitar. Kind of, I'll back people when they when they contact me. Mm-hmm. You know, but nothing. Mostly just John's project and, and the Jealousy Curve. Uh, you know, the reunion show and excellent. Still try to pretend I can play the thing a little bit, but yeah. uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I just enjoy, and I play on a lot of the, the artists I produce. I play on their stuff as well, which is fun. That's know, awesome. So. Um, I still love the instrument. It's been it'll be uh, I guess 29, 20, 28 years I guess in May that I've been playing it. So. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember what was your first guitar? It was an Ibanez. Uh, it was an acoustic, but it was a, an Ibanez. I want to say like Roadstar, maybe. So it was. Be, it was an Ibanez. That was, was my my first guitar was an Ibanez Roadstar, but it was electric. It was an Ibanez acoustic. It was a Roadstar, but it was an acoustic, but it had the Ibanez pointed headstock, oh, which cool. is really strange Very on acoustic. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So it was my first guitar. Yeah, and I just uh, I, I loved it, man. I Do you have it still? A buddy of mine, actually. Cool. Kind of, it's on indefinite loan to a That's friend That's one of, of my greatest, like, I just wish I kept my first guitars. And my first electric. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you, okay. You yeah. Still got, you know, yeah. I mean, my, my buddy has my acoustic. He's a friend of mine from college has been been teaching himself, so he has it. Excellent. Well, I mean, it's been a great podcast. Um, I'm so happy that Jealousy Curve's getting back together for a good cause, honoring your friend Jimmy. I'll be there uh, April 8th, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Steve, my for uh, coming on my show. Thanks for um, And uh, look... If, if you've never heard Jealousy Curve before, I highly recommend this, okay? Get the ticket, go out, see raw rock and roll in the city of Philadelphia. My name's Bob. This has been another episode of Bobcast.